You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 88 of the College Loop Podcast. Just me and Daniel today. Colin is, I believe, right now in Nashville getting ready for SEC Media Days, which Auburn and Hugh Freeze and Jason, not Jason, is it Jason Jones? Is he? It's Luke Deal, Cameron Stutz, and oh, my I think Lord. it might be. I think, I think it might it, be Jason Jones. Is it Jason Jones? I'm making sure I'm not just completely losing my mind there. But yeah, Colin is living his best life in Nashville. Tar is enjoying Star Wars night with the Macon Bacon. And me and Daniel are here to record this episode of the College Loop. Daniel, how you doing, buddy? Dylan, I'm doing good. I'm coming to you live from Chicago, Illinois today um, on a little bit of a vacation watching my beloved Boston Red Sox take on the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. Um, my dad and I came in yesterday. We're going to be here all weekend. So any Loop fans in uh, the Chicago area, if you see me out and about, uh, feel free to come say hello. <laughs> and he'll be charging you $5 per autograph. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but to talk about some Auburn news, Auburn picked up yet another Trent or not yet another commit. There we go, not transferred quite yet. Jalen Crawford, the four star defensive back from Parkview High School in Lilburn, Georgia. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Uh, did you also did you know that there's a the, there's a city in Georgia called Houston or spelled Houston, but it's pronounced like Houston or huh. it's like I weird. I think I knew that simply because Houston. Yeah, yeah, because I was watching Titletown High on um, Netflix about Rush Probst and Valdosta, and they played them. So I knew just because of that. So, like, yeah. for three days, I've known that. It's such a weird thing. But, yeah, Auburn picked up their fourth defensive back of the class of 2024, a class that combines Jalen Crawford with Amon Lane and Jaden Lewis and Kinsley Faustin, all going to be joining that Auburn defensive back room in the 2024 season. And Auburn is now up. 10 spots than they were this morning from 47 up to 37 with just 11 commits. And from one to 37, you will not find a team who has as few commits as Auburn does right now. And I think it's only, only time will tell where this team's going to be, where this uh, recruiting class is going to be. And I think it's just because you just need a little bit more people uh, committing. Yeah. Um, definitely with Hugh Freeze, we've seen him going after more quality over quantity, which you know, there's not really a problem with either way, I'd say. Well, if you don't have quality recruits, you're not going to win. Um, but, you know, just he wants to have the best blue chip rating possible, which I feel like is how you put together a winning team. Um, so, yeah, Crawford is the 159th player in the country, the 16th cornerback, and the 23rd player in the state of Georgia. So, He's held his own in Georgia's highest uh, classification of 7A, uh, a 4640. Um, he's got the measurables, Dylan. Yeah, and I mean, you read his what people have been saying about how he plays. He's a aggressive corner, and and he gets right in your face. And I and I think the way yeah, an aggressive cover corner, which we talked about in the last episode, I believe, where we brought up that that's kind of. Uh, it, it's so facto thing about Auburn corners is they are aggressive and they love to play man. And that's kind of the corners we've been seeing as of late. And the best corners that we know of off the dome, Carlton Davis and Roger McCreary, those two were big man coverage guys. And so was DJ James, I would say as well. 
Uh, but yeah, and I don't know if you watched his commitment video, and if you have it at home, I'm just going to go and let you know he gave everyone a heart attack who was rooting for him to come to Auburn. And if I wanted to reach my Auburn hat up, above me, I'd, I'd reenact it. So he had – have you ever heard of hat theory when it comes to commits? Um, is that something to do with, like, the hats that are furthest away from them or hats that they weren't even considering at school? Or uh, It's kind of, yes. And it's also if a hat looks worn – or if it's just like plopped on the table, it it, okay. it kind of bodes well for some. But the Auburn hat was brand new, I could tell. Uh, but the Florida, it was Florida, it was Florida on the right, LSU in the middle, Auburn on the left. The Florida hat, Florida was not even in, even in his like back burner, because the Florida hat was all crumpled up and just kind of flopped on the table. So it's LSU and Auburn, and they picked up the Auburn hat. He threw, he put it on, took it off. Threw it back on the table, then went under the table, grabbed another Auburn hat, and put it put that on, and said War Eagle. Oh my god! I um on a text thread I'm on, um some people on it were freaking out about that because they saw the video. I haven't had the opportunity to watch it yet. Um, but now I'm after we get done here, I'm gonna go take a look. Yeah, um, and it's everywhere it's too. A heart attack since I know what happens, but how <laughs> to see it. Yeah, in the moment it was it was not fun because Jalen Crawford is one of those big guys that we've been waiting to commit for a while. He's now the third best recruit in the class of 2024 for Hugh Freeze's first full cycle as Auburn's football coach, and a class with with like I said earlier, eleven commits, but nine of which are four stars if you look at their composite, and it's just crazy. Uh, Bryce Kane, uh, I think he's one of the lower rated three star or four he's a lower rated four star uh per 24 7 but he is higher up in his uh, composite rankings and it's just an overall great class starting off right now and the class is not even close to being over yet because we still have i think four more commits this month or uh, in the in the uh at least the next upcoming month 30 yeah, days sounds right uh and just going through those and uh, uh, three there we go three demarcus riddick uh, commits i believe next week in about 11 days kj bolden and jalua solomon both will committing on august 5th those two that's two four stars and a two five stars and a four star demarcus riddick of course gonna go to big cat weekend after committing as well so yeah big big names to keep your ears out for and again this auburn class is gonna finish higher than it is right now i know people have been kind of it was an arkansas fan i think was kind of like bashing auburn for like thanking Hugh Freeze for this class or like praising him for what the recruiting job he's been doing. The only thing keeping this Auburn class from being any higher than 37 is the fact that they only have 11 commits. I I don't understand the whole, the whole hatred to hating that your coach is getting high caliber players. Right. As of now, if you look at this Arkansas class, it's ranked 17th in the country. They have 16 commits four um, or nine, four stars, seven, three stars. But if you look at it, the average rating per commit, 90.15. Yeah, so, I mean, Auburn's is 90.83. So, Auburn's bringing in better talent than Arkansas is. And the only reason Arkansas's class is even that high is because those that seven three stars, seven to Auburn's two, they have the same amount of four stars. But I do think Auburn's going to end up getting a five star in this class, whether no matter who that too. be. Uh, but yeah, it's it's looking good for recruiting. It's going to be one of the biggest months in recruiting we've seen as an Auburn fan base in a hot minute, and it can only go up from here. What, Trevon Reed always says, uh, what is it? We, "We're not done yet." We're not done yet. 
So take that in mind as you go into the next month talking about recruiting. But we are going to talk about the Auburn running back room to continue our position-by-position uh, position preview series. And we're going to do it one of the most loaded positions on this Auburn team. And one that I think is kind of flying under the radar per like Phil Still, who has Auburn as the fifth best running back room in the SEC. And as loaded as the SEC is, he has him as the 17th running back room in the country. And that room is, of course, consisting of Jarquez Hunter, Damari Alston, Brian Batee, Jeremiah Cobb, and Sean Jackson, and some other guys who were also mixing in that as well. But Auburn's running back room definitely goes like four or five deep. Oh, yeah. Um, all these guys are talented. I think they'll all see the field this year. Um, I think Jarquez is going to be good to go. Uh, I don't know if anything else has been confirmed. I haven't seen anything. Uh, he's been he's been training a lot, so we're gonna take that as he thinks he's playing. And I think they've I think the PR team has done a great job with that. Uh, but we are not gonna go any further into <laughs> the off off season uh, schematics that have been going on around that situation. Probably smart for a family friendly podcast such as this one. Yeah, definitely. But looking at this room, uh, Jarquez Hunter definitely is the blockbuster name. Last season, seven touchdowns, which was tied for second on the team, right behind Tank Bigsby, who had 10. He also had 600 and I think seven yards. Uh, I think it was 607. And if you look at, at the back half of that season, he was the uh, leading back for, I think, the last three games of the regular season. I say regular season, like Auburn had a postseason last year. Uh, last three games of the season, I think that was against uh, Western Kentucky, I think A&M. And Alabama, I, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm correct in saying that, just because Jarquez Hunter was just the feature back alongside Tank Bigsby, but it seemed that Tank or Jarquez had more umph to him in those last three games. I think it was just because lack of carries at, at the earlier points. But yeah, so A and M, 13 carries, 114 yards, no touchdowns for that one. Western Kentucky. He had 13 carries, 109 yards for a touchdown. He also had a passing touchdown against Western Kentucky as well. And then, of course, Alabama, 11 carries, 134 yards against the Crimson Tide in a game that people consider a blowout. I don't consider that 49-27 loss a blowout as much as it could have been if the previous head coach had not been had been let go earlier in the season. But yeah, yeah you're going. That's one of those where it definitely like the scoreboard does not tell an accurate story. Oh yeah, uh, and and looking into going into this season, you you add some more beef at running back, and you already have Damari Alston leading the charge behind Jarquez Hunter. And for what I've been hearing about Damari Alston, he is one of the most underrated like, players on this team. He came in as a three star, and he only had 85 rushing yards from 2022. But just what he was able to do whenever he was able to get an open space was special and watching him perform in the spring, watching what he can do, what he can be. He is going to be a feature back at some point in his Auburn career. And if not, he's just unlucky that he's following up tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, and then eventually Jeremiah Cobb, who we're going to talk about in length and probably a little bit, but I mean, you're going into the season with Jarquez Hunter. Damari Elston following up, and then you add in the USF All-American kick returner, Brian Batee, who we've heard nothing but great things about uh, from how he performed this spring. He's fast. He's he's quick. He's shifty. 
he's I, I want to compare him to Auburn running backs, but I think he can be better than some of these guys. I look at like a Corey Grant uh, type running back, like a guy who's fast, he can return kicks, and if you get him in open space, he is going to make your defense pay for it. And that's exactly what you're getting from Brian Batie. And that's already a three-headed monster right there. And, Daniel, I know you had Brian Batie real high up in your top five transfer records. I think we all had him in our top five. I think you had him higher up than, than we did just because you saw something special in him. I do, um, particularly in the special teams attack. I feel like he's going to be lethal. Um, I'm expecting four or five returns for touchdowns this year. Four or five? Yeah. Auburn's not even gotten four or five. Like, haven't even gotten four kick return touchdowns in the past, like, five years, dude. <laughs> I'm confident. Well, I, you know, I'd say that he was an All-American. That is, That does help his case a lot. And I mean, I think he was a first team All American, and I don't know if he won any other awards besides that. And I'm trying to pull him up as I'm talking about him. Yeah, but Brian Batie, five foot seven, 170 pounds, rushed for a thousand yards last year on a USF team that I believe won, I think, one game, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And he can do it all. I mean, it, he averaged 6.7 yards per carry, eight touchdowns. Also put up 6.5 yards per catch on 14 catches for 91 yards. And again, you got to remember for that USF team, it was not a good team. It was god awful, as as one might say. But I think the the biggest name—I don't want to say the biggest name—but eventually going to be the biggest name from that class of 2022 or class of 2023 is going to be Jeremiah Cobb. Yeah. And we've been watching him play. Uh, We—I I was starting to panic whenever he didn't like sign on early signing day, and I was kind of like eager for him to hurry up and sign because it's like if someone snatches him up, I'm not going to be happy. But the four-star running back from Montgomery Catholic, dude, he is uh, he is going to be so him whenever he finally gets the starting job. And I don't think Auburn's going to retro this kid at all. I don't think so either. I think he's just too talented to not play him right away. Yeah, and five foot 191 pounds. Uh, I don't think he needs to do anything else. I, I would say probably beef up, get to like 200. Because from what I've been hearing about this, about Cobb, dude is probably, is, I think he rivals Batia in speed. And that baffles me. Uh, just a guy who has 20 pounds on, on one guy also is like almost as fast as him. And watching Jeremiah Cobb play at Montgomery Catholic, watching, uh, from hearing what I've heard about coaches talking about him, you know, Cadillac loves Jeremiah Cobb. Yeah. And that's just – he's a running back through and through because he loves coaching running backs. He loves playing running back. <clears throat> Jeremiah Cobb and Fat Burnett are definitely going to be a combo to keep your eye out for in the coming years for the Auburn Tigers. But, yeah, just looking at Jeremiah Cobb, dude is going to be gr- good. I mean, he, five, at 5'11", to be able to run as fast as he does, as shifty as he is, and he's also a powerful runner. It, it is crazy to watch happen. And, Daniel, I'm going to let you know a fun fact. Do you know who coached? the running backs of Montgomery Catholic and Jeremiah Cobb as well. Jeremy Johnson. Exactly. So Jeremy Johnson helping out Auburn in the latter, in the latter years, the, as, as one might say, the, the La Liga de Football Americano Professional offensive MVP and champion as well <laughs> for all of you people who didn't know that. Uh, but I, I think right there, that's your four biggest names in that running back room. And then if you go behind them, you have Sean Jackson, who is a, Daggum bowling ball of a human being, five foot nine, two hundred and thirty-six pounds, and I think he's definitely gonna get him some carries on the goal line, just because 
he's just gonna go forward and fall <laughs> just because <laughs> that's what bowling balls do and i mean after after Sean Jackson, I don't really see a lot of big names. I think Justin Jones and Christian Burnett, the two uh, walk-ons, definitely could find their names being called in, like, blowout games. And I think that they definitely are a little underrated. I think Justin Jones had a really good A-Day. But I don't see them getting very many snaps when you're behind a four-headed monster and Jarquez, Brian, Damari, and Jeremiah. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's just that that's kind of like the blessing and the curse aspect of having a position group that's so loaded. It's just you get to a point where like there's only one football. Um, so carries are going to be limited, especially towards the latter half of the room. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, everyone will have a chance to show what they can do. And these younger guys will just have to show the extent of their skill set later down the road. Yeah, and I think we're we're expecting. I I don't know if Jeremiah Cobb is going to get that many carries. I think he's definitely going to go win the season as RB four, just because Damari and Brian are just too good to just give up those backup snaps. And I think you're definitely going to see a lot more of uh, Brian in like passing formations or wild, maybe a wildcat. Uh, you could even probably throw in all three running backs with uh, just run a triple option for a couple of plays, and that'd probably work out pretty well for you as well. Uh, but I could see a world where Hugh wants to give Jeremiah a year to kind of develop under Cadillac. And I can't say that's a bad idea. I think it's a really good, I know he's talented. I know he probably has more potential than a lot of these running backs in this class or in in this room. I, I think it'd be smart for Hugh Freeze to kind of bite the bullet, redshirt Jeremiah Cobb, let Jarquez, Brian Batie, kind of have their last years as college running back and then bring in the next year with a three-headed monster and Jeremiah Cobb, Fat Burnett, and a junior Damari Alston. And I think that running back room, Auburn has a chance to have back-to-back-to-back running back rooms that just carry the position groups on this team. And I don't think it's arguable. No. And that added on to the fact that that this offensive line, well, the last year was the floor. I would like to think that it can't be worse. Um, but I think it's going to be noticeably improved this season. Um, so if that really good running back room has a solid offensive line to run behind for a change, that hasn't been the case in past years. Um, I'm really optimistic about just how much they can accomplish. Yeah, and just to, I, I say just, just to go around the horn here, uh, but there's only two of us. Uh, give me your stats, your stat prediction for, I want to say, Jarquez, Damari, and Brian Batty, just to kind of go how many yards is each one going to get all the way down? Because this is going to be a rush-heavy team. That's just what yeah. you get. I'm going to be bold and say that Auburn has a 1,000-yard rusher. Um, I think it's going to be Jarquez. Um, for Jarquez, give me – 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns um, for Damari. I'm going to go about I'm going to I'm going to kind of take uh, Jarquez's stat line from last year. Um, 675 yards, seven touchdowns. I, I think that Damari is going to be somewhere around there. And then Brad T's the third one we're doing, right? Yeah. Okay. Just, just want to make sure. 
Um, I think he's, I think, I think he'll break 500. Um, I'm going to go about 520, 530, and four or five touchdowns. So you have 1,600 and 500 going one, two, three. Right? Yep. Yeah, so I'm going to give Jarquez, I think he's going to be your workhorse for the majority of the season. I'm going to give him like 1,100 with, I'm going to say, 12 touchdowns. Uh, I'm going to go Brian Batie with about, I'm going to say, I'm going to give Brian 400 rushing yards, but I'm also going to give him about 150 receiving yards. And I'm going to, amongst those two, I'm going to go about seven touchdowns receiving and rushing. And then Damari, I'm going to give him probably around 500 rushing yards and maybe I'm going to say six rushing touchdowns on the ground for, for Damari. So I'm expecting, we're both expecting pretty good season from the front and back room. And it's kind of hard not to whenever they are as talented and as loaded as they are. And like we said, this room can go five deep. It could probably go six and seven deep if you throw in the walk-ons like Justin Jones and Christian Burnett, two guys who Auburn was very lucky to pick up as walk-ons. And two guys I definitely think are going to earn themselves a scholarship in the coming years. Yeah, I agree. Um, Because walk-ons make a room better. Exactly. Um, A, in an emergency scenario, you'd have to depend on them. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Um, And then just in practice every day, you know, it just, it helps. So definitely solid pieces for the program to have. Yeah, and you know us, College Looper, big, big walk-on supporters. We love our walk-ons. We love walk-ons. The restaurant and the players. Uh, but Correct. to get into some other news following the Auburn football program, Demario Tolan is no longer with the team. He has stepped away for some, uh, I, I just want to say, probably mental health reasons. Uh, I'm not going to go any further into it. I don't think we need to. Uh, just He has stepped away from the team, which opened up a scholarship spot for Powell Gordon who entered the portal, I think, in April, and then yeah. uh, with an option to return back to the team. And so he has, and I just I just think the depth piece, uh, that's all Powell Gordon really is. I, I, just, I don't think he's going to be a guy who's competing for one of those starting spots. He's probably just coming back because there's room for him now, and he's just going to be kind of deep in that linebacker core for a core that we don't yeah. think is very good. Yeah, um, to be – not even have a shot at starting in a position group that's just not really that good. Um, it just kind of says what needs to be said about a guy. Um, it'd be cool if he proved us wrong and became one of the best Auburn linebackers of recent history, but I just don't really think that's in the cards. Solid depth guy. Um, he'll get some reps probably this year, but yeah, just kind of another piece in a lackluster position group. Yeah, and just talk about linebackers for a little bit. Stay tuned because at some point we have to preview that position, and I'm still regretting that we're going to have to someday. Because uh, <laughs> after Austin Keys and I want to say Robert Woodyard, I don't think I want to talk about the rest of them just because they disappointed me year in and year out. But with that, I'm going to talk about another Auburn prediction. I talked about Phil Steele and his running back uh, preview uh, from his magazine. Again, another shameless plug for the best college ball magazine out there right now uh, because the other two are not good. And if you know which <laughs> other two there are, uh, you, that's what I'm talking about. But the Spurs Up show, who, which is a, I believe, just a South Carolina Gamecock show. I, I've never really yeah. listened to them. Uh, but they're big with, I think Jake Crane is like real big with the with Spurs Up guys. 
Yeah. Uh, but they le- released they're releasing their SC predictions, and they have Auburn going six and six, going two and six in SEC conference games. And just to read down the list, uh, going starting off the season four zero with wins over UMass, Cal, Samford, and at Texas A and M. Then you go on a three game losing streak with Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss. You pick up a win versus Mississippi State. Then you lose at Vanderbilt. Then another loss at Arkansas. Then you come back and beat Texas, uh, New Mexico State. And then you lose to Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Uh, this makes no sense to me. I don't know how you can. I don't know what they're seeing. How you can beat AM in College Station, then turn around and lose to Vanderbilt. Yeah, I don't. I. This just seems like one of those things where they're just kind of throwing darts at the wall. Um, and we're like, we're going to get this wrong anyway. Might as well make it flashy, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, and I say this a lot with with uh, with A and M. Kind of getting, I I've, I threw myself to the sharks earlier today by putting up a graphic about <laughs> where I ranked a certain A and M head coach. I don't follow the hype around Texas A&M. I also don't follow the hype around Arkansas going into the season. And I get the recruiting class right now is looking pretty good for those four stars that they're picking up. And for what it's worth, I don't think they picked up the – they lost Kendall Bryles. And I think that was the biggest loss to their to their in their offseason. It doesn't matter who transferred out. It doesn't matter who declared for the draft, who just like flat out just left the team. Kendall Bryles was the biggest loss for Arkansas. I don't follow the hype outside of KJ Jefferson and Raheem Sanders on that team because we saw Arkansas last year go five and seven. We saw AM go five and seven. And now both those teams are going into the 2023 season with all the hype in the world. And I under, I love that they have Auburn beating AM in college station. I don't understand the back-to-back losses to Vanderbilt and Arkansas, especially if you're beating Mississippi state. And I'm just going to go and put uh, go into another graphic they had. Uh, they have LSU losing one game to Mississippi State. And they have Mississippi State losing to Arizona the week prior than beating LSU. Yeah, I, I just don't really get these predictions. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to be different is the, my one guess. Yeah, and I I, I get it. SEC's wild. College football's a wild sport. Sure. I refuse to believe that Auburn is going to lose to Ole Miss, beat Mississippi State, lose to Vanderbilt, and then lose to Arkansas all in a four-game span. That seems very weird to me. And I think if Auburn starts at 4-0, they're not only winning two more games after winning four. I, this Auburn Auburn's floor this season, I think it's 7-5 at the bare minimum. And we'll get more into that whenever on the next show where we preview Auburn's, uh, I believe, third away game when they travel to Baton Rouge, the real Death Valley, to play in another night game in Tiger Stadium, one of the most probably outside, uh, probably the most hostile environment to play in. And I, I say that with Beaver Stadium in mind. I think that those two are at least at the very, bare minimum one A one B, and yeah. the hardest stadium to play in. Um, I've been to both. Um, I went to them both two weeks apart from each other yeah. in 2021, as did many Auburn fans, and. It was definitely, at least for me as a fan, it was louder in um, Penn State. Granted, LSU wasn't insane that season. They were pretty mediocre on the downside of mediocre heading towards bad. 
And the day after the Auburn game, Penn State was the number fourth ranked team in the country. So, um, forgive me, there's an ambulance going by this hotel. Uh, so, if you hear that, sorry. Um, but, yeah, just kind of Penn State's tough. And I feel like a lot of people in the SEC have that SEC bias, which it's a little bit understandably so, but that is a very, very good home field advantage, probably the best in college football. Exactly, and a game that Auburn that he is going to be going to be probably has very very much highlighted on his on his schedule because at this point it's going to be a nice little trivia night question: Who's the last head coach to be LSU in Baton Rouge? And yep. it's Brian Harson. Uh, so let's hope that he freeze can maybe shock the world, but also at some point very soon be LSU in Baton Rouge. But with that, that ends our football segment. We're going to now get into some baseball news where Auburn picked up yet another transfer from Jacksonville state, keeping that in the state pipeline very hot when they picked up transfer infielder Javon Hernandez. Uh, from, again, the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. I'm about to say it again. Uh, last season, he had a .397 batting average with seven home runs and a .56 slugging percentage with a fielding percentage of .968. A solid pickup for Butch Thompson. Um, this infield's going to need some restructuring after um, gosh. Losing, losing Bryson Ware and Cole Foster. Yeah, that, that's what I was trying to say. Um, so yeah, just kind of plug and chug, see who goes where. And I think that, um, Javon will make it easier. Yeah. And the, another, another position group that we're going to talk about in a second. And I just keep talking about this. Uh, so I'm trying to remember all the positions Auburn has already picked up in the transfer portal. And I know one of them was a pitcher and I think one of them was a shortstop or am I thinking Auburn lost five incoming players to the MLB draft. And one of those was Sam Mongelli, a guy that we talked about before on the show, who was definitely probably was going to take over Cole Foster's spot at the third base uh, position. And just a few of the guys that we just lost, uh, we lost two short stops and second baseman from high school. It, it was a rough MLB draft, but I mean, technically they signed with Auburn. So they were Auburn draftees. But yeah, it still sucks. And- they might not all still go. The first rounders are probably going to go. I, I might have to say the first rounders are going to go to the go to the MLB. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably so. Um, sorry, my dad was coughing, which is why I muted myself mid sentence. Um, very unideal circumstances to have to record when you know you're with someone, but you know it's okay. Um, yeah, just kind of. Um, It'll be a kind of transitional year for the Tigers. Um, it'll the roster will look different, um, but I don't think it'll necessarily be a bad year. Um, I could see it going very well. I could see Auburn hosting their third straight regional, and uh, the team won't look so different uh, as Bobby Pierce has announced that he is coming back. One of the big names who did not get drafted from this uh, previous. Uh, draft class, one of those being Joseph Gonzalez, who we talked about last show, who's going to be a really, really big help to this pitching rotation because he didn't he didn't leave. Uh, yeah, right. Bobby Pierce is back, so your outfield now returns two out of the three starters. By I think Pierce was a little injured injured last year, but he he still played in a good bit of games. 
Bobby Barrels, as they call him. Uh, but yeah, you return two out of the three outfielders, which I think is huge because uh, one of those guys is Chris Stanfield. Sure. Yeah, and he lost another dude to Mike Bello, who I, I, I didn't understand why, but he entered the portal. Uh, and that could be for any reasons, but yeah, Mike Bello is gone. He's a guy I think was dealing with some injuries as well, but never really got on the field and stayed on the field. So Auburn lost an outfielder and gained an outfielder in the same day from last year's team. And the last bit of news we have for this episode, Ryan Bliss is now moving up to the AAA in Reno. So big ups to Ryan Bliss, who's been taking the minors by storm as of late and probably soon getting called about the Diamondbacks. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, the Diamondbacks are definitely a team without a lot of talent on their roster and not doing so hot. So I definitely think come September, we'll see Ryan Bliss play for the big league club. Yeah, and he's going to add a lot to that team, speed, uh, his ability to hit the ball. I, th- I think he moved up, and then in the same day, he had a had a double, and then he had a stolen base on the same like day, or at least the same 24 hours. And yeah, Ryan Bliss is definitely a special player who we're going to be hearing about for years to come, hopefully. Maybe, potentially maybe the best player to ever play in the MLB. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Just for the Auburn Auburn pipeline, which would be awesome. But yeah, Daniel, go ahead and let everybody know where they can love you, find you, and support you. Uh, you can find my written work for the Auburn Wire or for 1819 News, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. All right, and of course, I'm Dylan Lark at your boy Tank on Twitter. If you're watching, it's just right there. And if you're also watching, go ahead and scroll down. Go click the links for our Twitters in the description. And while you're down there, go ahead and like, comment, and subscribe. Leave us some questions. Leave us more Theoretical Thursdays. We have one that we got yesterday that was really good. I'm not going to let y'all know just quite yet because y'all got to go to the comments and go find it yourselves. And also like the videos. Just let us know that you're loving the content. But you can also go follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And that's at The College Loop. We're not on MySpace, but again, I told y'all, a thousand subs and we'll be getting on MySpace. And if you want to listen to us, you have us, we have us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts. But all that being said, it's been the College Loop Podcast. 